This episode is brought to you by VinSmart. Need help with your recall campaigns? DMVs, government agencies, fleet owners can learn more by visiting vinsmart.com slash businesses or call 1-888-950-9550. Welcome to AmbaCast, bringing news, information, and expertise to the Amva community. Here's your host, Ian Grossman. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the AmbaCast. This week, uh, we're going to do a profile into one of this year's award winners. More specifically, Nebraska uh, has won the international award this year for the Improvement Through Efficiencies Award for their eFleet Services Program. And I'm uh, pleased to welcome to the Amvacast Betty Johnson. Betty's the Vehicle Services Administrator for the Nebraska DMV. Uh, Betty, welcome to your first appearance on the Amvacast. Thank you, Ian. And now what a lot of people don't know listening, but you know because I'm looking at you, uh, this is the very first podcast we've recorded where I've been in the same room with the guest. Exciting. It's very, it's very it's exciting. It's very exciting. Um, because we're recording it. We're currently, for those that are listening that want to know, uh, we're in Arlington, Virginia. Uh, Betty is a uh, member currently of the Law Enforcement Standing Committee, and the standing committees are meeting here in Arlington, and we're using this as an opportunity for our maiden voyage, our first experiment of recording a podcast uh, in person as opposed to, you know, r- virtually as we've had to do for a year and a half. So, Betty, thanks for being a willing participant in our experiment in addition to being a guest on the program. Absolutely. So so let's jump into this, this eFleet Services program, um, which is a new online services for Nebraska businesses to track and renew vehicle fleets, specifically not for individual fleets. Um, So, you know, we know that a lot of our podcast listeners are not as, they're not always experts in all the different fields of DMV. So let's get, let's start at the very basic lines. And when we say we're talking about a services for a fleet of vehicles, Folks always have the word fleet in their mind, but it might mean something very specific in a sense when it comes to registration and titling. So from Nebraska's perspective and from your background in the Amva community, when we're talking fleets, what are we talking about? So really from the Nebraska perspective, how we've defined a fleet is any entity who owns 25 or more vehicles Hmm. or any entity who manages 25 or more vehicles um, for, for separate entities. Um, with that. And what we see a ton of in Nebraska is, of course, with our agricultural um, reliance so heavily on that Mm -hmm. in in Nebraska, is that we have a lot of uh, co-ops around the state that own thousands of trailers, thousands of vehicles, but they have them registered in multiple counties Mm -hmm. and located in multiple counties. And so that really has been our target audience as far as our fleet services. So when you say they were they were previously or they were registered in all the different counties, they're still, I assume, they're still registered in all those different places. It's more about um, centralizing the process to do that that was part of this initiative. Correct. Um, so we have a requirement in Nebraska that you have to register the vehicle where it has situs with that county. So if you have... Um, you have 20 vehicles in one county and 20 vehicles in another county, you're going to do business with both counties Mm. um, with that. And so what we've done is we've consolidated it so that they can manage all of those through one online service. Um, They can sign in and manage all 40 of those vehicles 
regardless of what county they're registered in. So when did that initiative start in Nebraska in terms of, you know, how many years did it take from the moment you said, hey, you know, we, we should maybe provide a more centralized, efficient solution to getting to where you rolled it out? Take us back to the beginning. Where, where and how does that conversation start in a DMV to say, let's tackle this? So for us, it actually where that conversation started with the system modernization. Mm. So the first step we took is that we had to modernize a system that was originally built in the early 90s, the early 1990s, <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and get changed to a platform where we were able to, to more easily um, add the online services on top of it and more easily and be able to tie vehicle records together mm -hmm. because in our old system they just were not tied together at all. You had to you had to um, do your renewal transaction separately for each vehicle, mm. and so our first step was was the modernization. And during the period when we were working on modernization, we had these e-fleet services that was on our list of things that we needed to do. So it took us about 19 months from the time we started working with our vendor till rollout. So during that 19 months, we, we worked on it. And we, we worked with a lot of the fleet companies, a lot of the companies hmm. that were our target with that. And then we actually rolled out and had our first customers that were using it in December of 2019. And then we really started growing January of 2020, January of 21. We really started growing the numbers. Hmm. And, and so by doing it part of modernization, obviously you were able to integrate into a, a larger project plan. It was not necessarily a standalone project. But you, based on what you learned about the e-fleet part of it, if someone is already modernized or isn't planning to modernize, you know, how might you see this as a standalone project that someone else could learn from and implement? Well, I think that probably the first step, because even with modernization or if you do it separately, the first step is to identify your potential customers mm -hmm. and then reach out to those customers and have conversations with them about usage about what how they would see a system like that working and to have the conversations if you need to group the vehicles together because if, if, if it's like our old system where they were separate um, if you need to do the work first make sure you can group those together if you don't have the ability to do that to build that ability into the e-service mm. Um, with that, but I think really that collaboration with who your customers are and trying to identify the easiest way then to move through the process. Another piece of it, of course, is the payment component. Mm. You know, it's, it's going to be a lot easier if you already have an online service payment component there, which we already did. If not, that would have been another, another add-on you'd have to do as part of the project. Absolutely. So when you say you started to talk to the businesses, uh, Obviously, you, you mentioned the agricultural industry, born in Nebraska, but uh, imagine a diverse set of stakeholders. What was the early reaction? People excited, leery about it, pessimistic? You know, what was that early conversations with industry like? All of the above. <laughs> is, is that an option? Um, we had some that were terribly excited. Um, we, had a, we had a couple businesses that were registering vehicles in upwards of 60 counties. Mm. And, and they actually, um, we have one business that employed a person that that's all they did all year long was travel around to the drive counties. around the state and do all of that paperwork. Yeah. yeah, and do all of that and work with the counties and get everything done. Um, we had other 
users that were like, we don't really think this is going to benefit us because all of our vehicles are in the same county. Mm. We can go in and we can drop them off, come back the next day, pick everything up. And so we just don't really see a benefit to that. And so we, like I said, we kind of had had a, a wide range. We also had a lot of skepticism that, that we could make it work. <laughs> that it was even going to be yeah. doable. Mm -hmm. And so when you've transitioned, though, for those that, like you said, we, it's all in one county, we've got a process that work, do they still have that option? Or is now, does everyone have to use the new fleet e-services program, or is it now an option in addition to what had been the traditional way of doing business? It's an option. Okay. So we have not, we've not gone down that path of requiring anybody to use the service. We've also made it optional that the fleet owner can go in and manage the renewal process and do everything, and then they can opt to make payment in the county office. Hmm. And so it, because um, through our payment processor, an additional fee is charged yes. when you pay online. And so we have some that, that completely manage the entire process. And then at the end of it, they check a box that says, I'll be in the office tomorrow to pay for this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so we, we have a few that do that. Um, it's interesting, though, if some of the companies that started that route, we're now seeing they're starting to pay online because they're starting to see the benefit. Um, yeah, even with the payment fee, yes. it's not worth having to get mm -hmm. over to the office. I could do it right here and be done. Yeah, absolutely. Now, we talk about the counties and the county role. I assume their role now changes in terms of the registration process moving to the eFleet platform. Um, how, how is that outreach and conversation with these county offices that it's been so much part of their daily work to process those those registrations. So I would tell you again, we up front met some skepticism mm -hmm. from some of the counties. We also, some of them, you know, felt pretty strongly about they like the face-to-face -face conversation mm -hmm. with some of their customers. But once we were able to get some of the businesses through there, have the counties see exactly what the work looks like from their side, now we're seeing that they are our best partner as far as telling customers that this is available. Mm -hmm. You know, when you have the counties in the process, we're, the DMV isn't the front facing to a lot of our vehicle customers. Right. And so we really rely on the counties to sell our products mm -hmm. for us. And, and we consider this one of our products. And a lot of the growth we're seeing is because the counties are now encouraging. Mm. You don't have to come yeah. in here next time. Right. Let me show you where this link yeah. is. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and, and it's still, so the money still flows through the county mm -hmm. and the county still has a piece of the process. Um, so for instance, when you have, when somebody's registering heavy trucks and they have to um, submit documents to prove that they've paid their heavy vehicle use tax. The counties then review those online mm -hmm. um, through, through our system. They review what's submitted online and still have that that end-of-the-day approval process. Mm. Plus, the money flows still flows to their office. And they're, they by flowing through, they're also, they retain some of that through their fees and charges that they were charging anyway? Yes, absolutely, they do. They They retain a portion of it. And then the rest of the money is distributed to either state or local. Gotcha. 
that was probably one of the first conversations when you went in there and talked to the county. They said, well, wait a minute, we're happy to do this, but we still need our revenue. Yeah, absolutely. That's always their first question yeah. is what's going to happen to the money. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So um, you mentioned how you started a, a smaller rollout at first and it's grown over time. Um, obviously, the county's being a great partner to echo that message. But what about the DMV's outreach and messaging to make these companies aware that they could do it now? What's been your strategy and approach to that? type of launch and outreach for the program? So most of that we've done through press releases, through social media. Um, we had some ideas of going to some of the association meetings, mm -hmm. similar to AMVA meetings that we right. go to. We have association meetings. Unfortunately, like everything else, the pandemic um, put a halt to that, but that's in our future plans to try to reach out and get to um, more of these more of the fleet owners through some of their associations. And, and when you look at how much is out there in Nebraska in terms of how many have transitioned and how many you have left to move over, do you have any sense of the scale or the percentage of how many you've moved versus how many are out there still to be moved? I would say we probably have still more to move than what we have <laughs> using yeah. Yeah. <laughs> with that. So, yeah, absolutely. I don't know if I know the exact percentages, but we still have a number out there that we need to reach and, and try to get them convinced to use the service. And what, the ones that still need to be convinced, what do you think is the barrier for them to change the way they're doing business? I think most of them right now is probably lack of knowledge. Mm. Is, is what I would guess. That's why I think it's going to be important that we can reach out to them and, and start having conversations with them. I think there's probably also some that will never hear about it from their county office or might even be discouraged by their county office. And mm -hmm. so we may end up, you know, having to, again, educate. Mm -hmm. And any particular industries that have been more excited or some that have been less excited? Have you seen any connection in terms of the type of industry it is or has it been kind of just more at random? Some people like it and some people still need to be convinced. I would say, so earlier I mentioned the, like the co-ops that we yeah. have in the state. They've really been the ones that have been very excited okay. about it and that's where we're seeing a large part of our usage um, with them. And they, they have, so something that maybe some people have never heard of, we have a lot of fertilizer trailers in the state. So okay. a lot of the co-ops own hundreds and even thousands of fertilizer trailers that they have registered all throughout the state. And, and that's really where we're seeing a huge usage of the E-Fleet services is with those trailers mm. and with some of that. And so that's, I just think we need to reach out to more of the co-ops mm -hmm, and I think mm -hmm. we'll get more of that because that seems to be where there's really a lot of excitement. Interesting. And you also said earlier that, you know, in Nebraska, it's, a fleet's defined as 25 or more. Um, I, I don't know this offhand. I don't know if you know it offhand. Do you know how that compares to how most states define a fleet? Have you ever looked at any of that? I, you know, to be honest with you, I do not know. Yeah. yeah I don't know. That's We ended up, um, I, I'm not even sure how we even came up with the 25 vehicles. I think somebody threw it out there and we all said so that. That sounds, sounds great. That sounds great. We can do this. That's the way most laws are written. Yeah, <laughs> sure. That sounds good. Why Absolutely. Not? And it's a policy. And so if we had a company come in and say, I have 24 vehicles, I really want to do this. There's nothing to prevent you from yeah. letting them. Absolutely. Like, Mm -hmm. And if we get a lot of questions, I'm very open to if we get a lot of questions from that, you know, maybe the 15 to 25 vehicle range, I think we're very open um, to adopt the policy to what the user's needs are. Mm -hmm. 
Because there's really, I mean, in the technology that you had to build and the process behind it, um, scale is, it really doesn't matter, right? right. I mean, whether you're going to do, a, a, theoretically, six vehicles or 6,000 vehicles, the technology is the technology. Absolutely. Um, one of the reasons we decided we wanted to set a minimum number, and, and of course, going into system modernization, we weren't mm -hmm. 100% sure what our workload was going to look like. Um, but one of the reasons we wanted to set a minimum was because it does require, um, on the DMV side, we set up the, originally we set up the account and we have to generate a letter, a welcome letter that they use to, to, for them then to go online and establish the account with that. And we felt like we needed a minimum number to help control the workload mm -hmm. through our office. But as more time goes on and the more users we have, I think that we can adjust that number based on our workload as well. So the, the way we've been talking about this project, you know, one would think, hey, I wrote the project plan, we put the pieces in place, and it went pretty smoothly, and then we're up and running. We know no project plan, let alone a major IT initiative, ever goes that smoothly you know, as you want it to. So on this one, what were some of the bumps in the road that you didn't expect? But we're, we're learning opportunities both for you and the folks listening. So I would say a few of the bumps in the road were... Um, we're initially getting people, businesses interested, mm -hmm. um, because one of the things we wanted to do is we wanted to actually bring some of the businesses in and view our e-services before we deployed them. We wanted them to do a little bit of testing and to do some of that. Um, that took a lot of work, a lot more work than we thought it would, because mm -hmm. we thought they would jump at this. <laughs> you know, and they, oh yeah, we'll, we'll help, we'll do some of that. And so that took a lot of work to initially in engage. Um, with them. So that was part of the issue. And I think the other part is making sure we had our county users fully trained on this mm -hmm. specific mm -hmm. item. Um, because it does, when the um, fleet owner goes out online and does the, the processing, it creates a work item for the county users. And we've had to monitor that fairly closely to remind them to check their work items. Mm. Um, because we have had a few times where we've had one of the fleet users submit their documents and a week later, two weeks later, the county hadn't responded and hadn't done the work that they did on that. And so I didn't expect we would have to do the level of monitoring mm -hmm. that we've had to do to ensure people are doing their jobs, gotcha. yeah, yeah, doing yeah. what we expected them to. And, so, and that's just the whole part of the training. And, you know, we have... Um, we have about 500 county users on our system, and so keeping all of them on the same page and keeping them trained and making sure that they work their, the tasks that are assigned to them is just sometimes a little bit time-consuming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I think I also read that when you rolled this out, um, it was part of a series, of, not only part of modernization, but there were some other online services, including uh, dealer e-services. Yeah and the real-time SR22 submission. So I know that's not necessarily what, you know, the award was about, but yes. we're talking about it's all part of the, the same project. So let's talk just a little bit about those those two pieces. Um, dealer e-services, what, what element of the program was that that you guys rolled out? So what we rolled out with dealer e-services was the ability for dealers to submit their application for title and their title paperwork through our e-services. Mm. 
um, with it. And again, you know, a little bit different with the with the dealers in the fact that a little bit more of a captured audience. We know exactly yeah. who the licensed dealers are. We know how to reach them. Um, we know how to get information to them. And so it really made it made um, ado adoption rates go grow quicker um, from that perspective. But we still had a few of the same issues that was to get them engaged up front mm -hmm. and to get them excited about it. And I think to get them to believe that we could and we would mm -hmm. do this. And what were they doing before? Was it still very traditional paper and faxing and mailing? All, it was all paper. Either they mail it to the county office or they would hand deliver it to oh, the wow. county office. Yeah. And, and you know, when you have 93 different counties, Mm -hmm. The wait time is is drastically different between counties. You know, we'd had some counties where they could walk in, hand the paperwork, stand there, and walk out with the title. Had other counties where they were dropping it off and sometimes waiting for weeks or maybe mm -hmm. even months um, to have the title returned to them with that. And so I think part of that is why they they questioned, because that's really when they think of the DMV, mm -hmm. that's who they think of. The counties. Or the counties, right. yeah. They, it's uh, not really our office. Yeah. And so I think that they would just weren't sure how could we do this if they couldn't even stand in line and, and get right. their title issued within five minutes. Right, 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 right. And so now they've so. gone from that where the dealer e-service is, you know, what it's an online portal. It's not, we're not even talking email or something like that. We have really kind of leapfrogged from pen and paper to interactive portal. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because it's fully interactive. They go online, they enter the information that's typically on the application for title, they scan and upload their paperwork, at the end of the process they pay, and the title is issued. Right there. All right there. Instantaneously. Yes, instantaneously. If it's a, if, if there's a lien on it, we're electronic lien and title, if there's a lien, title's issued, customer can immediately go in and register their vehicle. If there is no lien, then they direct us whether they want us to mail the title to the owner or if they want us to hold the title mm -hmm. for the dealer to pick up. And then the next morning, the next business day, they can come in the come office in and pick it up yeah. if they choose to. And what about the SR-22? Now, I guess we should step back and say, what is an SR-22? A lot of people don't know that. You know what that's all about. So I'm going to ask you, just knowing knowing that you are a you know all things vehicle guru in the Enva community, um, let's do a little education on SR22. Okay, the SR22 is really proof of high risk insurance, and so Nebraska, like a lot of states, um, once we've suspended a driver, um, so let's say a driver is suspended for a driving under the influence or for accumulating too many points, part of their reinstatement requirement is that they have to provide proof of the high-risk insurance, and in Nebraska, you have to maintain that then for three years mm. um, with that. And so the SR-22 is really that, that evidence that, that you have the high-risk insurance. And so now with the real-time submission, as opposed to, I guess, what would have been bringing in that paperwork and showing it to somebody, and the counties were doing that as well? Uh, no, absolutely. The SR-22 process is handled completely by the DMV. Because it's the driver that you care about in this case, not the vehicle. Absolutely, absolutely. And so all of that was done through one office in the state. Oh, Just wow. our main office, um, the main DMV location. And so most of those documents were coming in through the mail. 
Okay. Um, on occasion, we might have a local insurance company that would drop those off, but but by by drastic means, it was mostly that those would come into us through the mail. From the individual drivers or from the insurance companies on behalf of the drivers? From the insurance companies on behalf of the drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't have any um, any ability to accept the SR-22 from the driver themselves. So the mm-hmm. company has to submit it to us, um, which 99.9% of the time means they have to mail it to right. us. And you know when you have customers waiting and the one piece that they have left for the reinstatement um, is to have that SR-22, sometimes that mail time mm-hmm. Make, yeah. is, is important to them. As well. And so now it's a, again, it's a portal for those insurance companies to just submit it electronically, and like you know, as soon as they press submit, real time, you've received it, acknowledged it, and that driver is ready to go. Yep, absolutely, and it's it's really reduced the amount of data entry work mm. that our staff has to do, um, because before when we received them in the mail, then what you have to do is you have to make sure you associate that with the correct record. So we were entering those in into each correct record, and in this. This then not only is it a complete win for the customers, but it really is for our staff as well because it reduces that that extra work. That yeah, the entire doing. clerical process, yes. opening the mail, mm-hmm. sorting the mail, entering it in, the, the errors of manual entry. Yeah, right? absolutely. The errors is a big piece because, you know, anytime, anytime when you have the manual entry, you have errors. Yeah. So as you rolled these three out, I know as part of modernization, is Nebraska also completely done with the entire modernization project? What, from the vehicle's perspective, we are mostly done. Mm-hmm. Um, we still have some ideas of some, some other technology things we'd like to do and some other customer enhancement um, services we would like to build. Um, we do, though, in our future, we have modernization of our motor carrier services mm. system. That's the IRP IFTA, mm-hmm. IFTA world. And we have modernization of our driver's license system as well. So both of those are, are out on our, our mm. horizon. Now, I know, you know, it was started with vehicles, and you were also running point in that modernization. Are you, are you still running point on modernization in those other areas, or have you uh, handed the baton to, to other folks to do that for Nebraska? I have handed the baton to other folks. Gladly so. <laughs> Gladly so. I think one modernization is enough. Is enough. <laughs> Great. So um, we just uh, you talked about some of those other ideas. You know, where what are those ideas? Where does Nebraska Vehicles go next? Where where could we expect the you know the next time I talk to you about winning the award on improvement efficiencies? <laughs> what what might it be that you're starting to look at? So some of the things we are starting to look at is uh, has to do a little bit with the sales tax component that goes along with vehicles. Mm. So we're starting to look at and have hopes that we can collect sales information from the dealers. Uh, to help us then when the customer comes in to pay their sales tax so that we have that information direct from the dealers instead of relying on paper. Mm -hmm. Um, Because I think what we've talked about a lot, and I know that you're very aware of when you have that paper, um, not only do you have errors, but you have fraud. Yeah. And so we want to tighten that up a little bit, and that's an area that we're looking at. Um, We also have some other ideas uh, that are tied to sales tax as far as to make it easier for our county users to make sure that they are um, placing the vehicle in the correct location so that they're collecting the amount, correct amount of sales tax. Um, so we have city and county sales tax as well as state sales tax. And so it depends on where you place that vehicle in which tax district 
how much the customer is going to pay. Mm -hmm. and, and that's a very manual process today. And so we're hoping to, to be able to tap into some other technology that other agencies have to try to help us change that from a manual process. All right. Well, good luck with that that next initiative. Um, so before I let you go, Betty, you know, uh, I mentioned before you uh, are fairly well known in the AMVA circles from sitting on countless working groups, committees. Um, this is not your first tour of the standing committee here. Uh, but to give some folks your, your background, you've been with Nebraska DMV now for... 39 years. 39 years, and almost entirely in the vehicles area? No, I actually started the first 18 years. I was on the driver's side, mm. and then 21 years ago moved over to the vehicle side. So almost almost even with the vehicles yes. now taking mm -hmm. taking the lead. And you, like as I mentioned, you've been involved in lots of different areas with AMVA over the years. Um, you've been the chair of our vehicle committee, you're now on the law enforcement committee, and you've led a number of different working groups. What are some of that stick out to you over the years that you, you look back with some fondness or particularly go, oh, wow, that best practice was a really good one? Um, I think probably the first one that comes to mind is the, the first facial recognition mm -hmm. best practices because I think a little bit cutting edge at the time yeah. when we put that together. And, and I think back at the, the great group of people we had, the wide breadth of knowledge that came to that working group. And I think in the end, it was one of the better documents, mm -hmm. um, especially at the time. Um, now, I, but I have to be honest, now I'm blown away whenever new practices come out and I read through them and, and look through those. The quality of work from all of the working groups is, is just outstanding. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We're very, very fortunate to have members like, like you that will get together and produce those great, great products. Well, Betty, thanks for spending time with us today. How did this feel to you to do it in person? I think this was great. I hope other people get to enjoy and experience the in-person. I hope so, too. I hope so, too. Well, thanks for being here, Betty. Thank you all for listening this week. Thanks to our producers, Claire Jeffrey and Chelsea Hadwin. And until next week, everybody, stay well. Thank you for joining us for AmbaCast, hosted by Ian Grossman, produced by Claire Jeffrey, music by Gibson Arthur. This episode was brought to you by Recall Buzz, powered by VinSmart. Visit us at ambacast.podbean.com and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify.